Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber, live from separate locations. Futures are green uh, to start the busiest week of earnings season. We'll get Boeing, Caterpillar, Microsoft, Apple, Tesla all headed our way in the coming days with a Fed statement on Wednesday and more states, as Andrew said, set to reopen beginning today. June oil down 21. Jim, as the space between stocks and crude uh, remains exceptionally large. Look, I think the the crude futures distinguish themselves as being, uh, let's just say, uh, totally disingenuous. The idea of what happened last week with the minus 37 had to do with the fact that there's a financial instrument, a couple of financial instruments that are just wrong and they are broken. We don't regard things as broken because it seems almost impossible that something could break. Uh, But the future that you see and the actual prices are very different, particularly in the out years. And I think what's going to happen is this has to go to zero again because we haven't any any more space. I had Herb Jorn Hansen, uh, who's the CEO of the largest tanker company, North American Tanker, on Friday. And he said, look, there's no room. So why should this number not go to zero? Uh, It should go to zero faster than it did last time. So we look at this and we wonder who's doing it, but it goes to zero. Yeah, any chance that that it doesn't because we will begin to look for tiny rebounds in gasoline demand as some of these states open? Well, I think that that's certainly a hope. But I also know that uh, there are times in life where people know that there's an instrument that is faulty and they can shoot against that instrument and bury these people. I mean, there is this financial problem. The people who are behind the USO, they are financial people. And so if you're a real person or you're a large contractor, a large player, and I'm going to have this tonight in my uh, in my show, they can uh, wipe out the USO. And I think that that's been the that's been what's going on. I mean, it's it's not a conspiracy. It's a reality. Um, When you have an organization that can't take delivery, well, you should crush that organization every time. And that's what they'll probably happen. Uh, The people in the USO are um, naive. They're rookies. And I wish them the best of luck. Um, well, we're going to keep looking at this, Jim, uh, of course, but we got to keep in mind that as a percentage of the S&P, energy companies are extraordinarily small oh, at this yeah. point. I mean, this this price is certainly a reflection of the lack of demand, and it does at least give you some signals in terms of the world economy right now. But you can't say much when it comes to uh, what its real impact should be overall, I guess, other than on that, but specific to the S&P. Right. Well, there are two economies going on. There's the economy that does well. Uh, I did a lot of tracking this weekend. There's a $11.4 trillion in companies that do well out of a total of about $25 trillion. And I think that the reason why people are so, uh, let's say, confused about why the market can go up is exactly what you said, David. The, the uh, parts of the economy that should have been hurt have been. They've been wrecked. And the capital, stru- uh, the size of what's left 
is minuscule. So what people think of as the stock market, particularly if they're in S&P 500, it is not the stock market anymore. Uh, There's a downgrade today of Caterpillar. Caterpillar's not really part of the equation anymore. It's a big company. But it's not what this index that I've designed, the MAD index for COVID, but also about the S&P is about. I think we've got to be more realistic and recognize that the financials are trashed. When you pick up a piece today and it says the credit cards, the bedrock of what these companies make, people aren't paying. And we know rent's not being paid. I, I, I don't know yeah. how you own a financial. So, I mean, there's parts right. of the economy that I think you can feel great owning. Uh, Procter & Gamble, Kimberly Clark, where they can't meet demand. And then, you know, what do you do with Bank of America? What do you do with a great American company where suddenly people aren't paying? And that I haven't been able to figure out. I don't know what to do. It's not like Carnival Cruise, which got a terrific bailout by the Federal Reserve. We were reserved, We learned this morning. And, uh, I thought that yep. piece was a disgrace. But you know what? We're in an era, David, where nothing's a disgrace. You wanna, everyone knows. Well, but yeah. no one likes to say and it because you, then suddenly you're lamestream. Gets you back to, uh, to the PPP program, of course, the second... Uh, allocation of which is going to begin today. But, you know, to your point, Jim, if you sell anything to the consumer directly other than from a supermarket shelf, you are having a rough go of it. I mean, every banker that I speak to, as you know, sort of the world that I, I, I've occupied for a long time now, who are advising clients, they're not talking to them at all about M&A opportunities. No. They're talking to them still about their balance sheet. Even those companies that you may think are looking fine or have already raised capital or pulled down the revolver or suspended their dividend, they're still just thinking about survival because it's what they're seeing in front of them that worries them so much. And, and I think it's important to keep that in mind as we watch the equity markets here, perhaps only going to be down, what, 15 percent from the high when we open today. Uh, nonetheless, you got a lot of companies that are not looking towards the future with anything in terms of uh, any sense of brightness. All right, but let's say you're the Federal Reserve. Do you want Macy's to go under? Uh, is that more important or less important than Carnival? In Carnival, which was a principal, uh, let's say, uh, purveyor of COVID-19 that's killed a lot of people. Macy's hasn't killed anybody. Should we give Macy's a loan? Should we help them out? Or are we limited to companies that run by Mickey Harrison? I don't know. I mean, I, I've gotten quite cynical. When I read that Carnival piece, I think every, your eyes glaze over now because everything's so cynical. But I wonder why Carnival gets the backing of the Federal Reserve uh, after being uh, an actor that I think we could all question. And Macy's, which uh, does fireworks, uh, which is more dangerous. Yeah, Jim. I mean, those, those are questions we'll be wrestling with long after the peak of this crisis is over. Uh, your point about the uh, constituencies in the S&P, though, sort of remind me of uh, Goldman's note from last night, David Costin. Uh, the five largest names are now 20 percent of the index, the highest concentration in 30 years. And David's point is that that, in their words, narrow breadth is always resolved the same way. And that is a drawdown because the five players that are killing it can't do it long enough to maintain uh, the overall uh, sentiment regarding earnings and valuation. I love Costin, but and I, I just you, I, I don't like to play the other side of Costin, but Fang is what moved most of the market. And so I disagree with his analysis that in the end it ends badly because what happened is there is no end. Uh, there's no end to what I, mean, I don't think Alpha's going to report a great quarter. What happens to Alpha? But they report a lousy quarter. They give a terrible conference call. They tell you how bad things are. And then you look at it a month later and it's higher. 
I mean, that's the notion of Fang. I mean, Netflix reported a number that, frankly, people didn't like, and it's hanging in there. Uh, that, that's not unusual during this reporting period. IBM reports a quarter. The stock's at 122, goes to 116. Now it's at 125. There's a lot of instant judgments that are uh, then uh, overturned. But when it comes to what Costin's talking about, I mean, how do you uh, – if Fang is set up perfectly for this year, I mean, it shouldn't be, but it so, is. So, so, so the, then 29.50 – uh, 3K. I mean, at, at the the margin here is is not out of the not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, no, it, it it should be. I mean, there's a piece today in the Wall Street Journal that talks about well, you better be worried about Amazon. Well, what are you supposed to be worried about? Too much demand. When you have too much demand, that what happens is the analysts are going to look through that. This is very much like a Tesla problem. There's a a uh, piece put out by Adam Jonas who loves to write about Tesla. And this time he's saying it could be 500, could be 1,000. It could be a straight flush. It could be two pair. I mean, I, the, these things are hard to understand. But the fact is, is that Tesla is something he says we will look through. There's a lot of companies, and I've got lots of research here, and everybody wants to research, re, everyone wants to look through the bad, and everyone wants to uh, say, look, if it's got a demand, it's going to go up in the second half of the year. I don't think that's wrong. I mean, the most negative piece I saw this morning was United Parcel. And it's too bad because I think that uh, Carol Tomei is going to do a terrific job and that that's one that I actually want to buy after the quarter. But for the most part, the analysts are saying, hey, you know what? The bigger you get bigger and uh, the gap stores are just going to dwindle. Gap, which refinances 5 percent, but 8 percent. I mean, that's not uh, that's not doable. It's not doable. But what is the unemployment? What is the unemployment number going to look like in June? How many people are we going to have out of work? And then let's assume six months later we cut that in half. Aren't we still going to have an unemployment rate the likes of which we have rarely, if ever, seen in this? Well, country? Great Depression. Great Depression yeah. numbers. I mean, if you get more than twenty percent, we're twenty-six million now. We're going to yeah. we're going to continue higher. One would expect for the next month. Let's right. say. Right. Well, I mean, the difference Hopefully is, is not, great but depression, I think that's a fair we, expectation. Yeah, great Depression. We had twenty-five, say twenty-five percent. But we had no unemployment insurance. Here, the unemployment insurance right. is, is higher than what you can pay your employees. So, I mean, there is this kind of yeah. uh, money out there, plus the $1,200 you got. But we, we must not forget that when they expanded the unemployment insurance, what they did was made it not, non-competitive. To, uh, business is not competitive with that. And, and we have to think about that. Yeah, how, I know. You've mentioned that. How long, have, how long is, that, is that in what, it's effect in the first for week of August? I know it's be. It's become a real issue, I guess, in terms of bringing people back. It's a strange part of it. That I can't bring people back. A, 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 a yeah. week, right? I, I can't bring people um, back. I can't outpay the government. You can't. So people really are sitting on the sidelines, at least for, for a handful of months, while, while they're collecting well, more than they otherwise would. Yeah, absolutely. And But uh, look, there are other people who uh, they don't get taxed. You know, th- this is non-taxed money. You get taxed. And you have to work with other people who may have COVID it, it, versus sitting at home uh, and watching reruns sure, yeah. or something. And I'm not trying to denigrate what people do but at that, home, but we're all kind of out of things to do with that home. money. It's not unlimited, Jim. Those benefits do run out. They do. And that's why you have to be very careful. Honestly. You can say, I know that Mnuchin would tell you, listen, those benefits run out. Uh, and will those people have jobs? And I will come back and say, please, benefits run out. So you'll come back to work. Um, we have to hope everything works out in August. But look, I, I think that we as business people have to start recognizing just the notion of reading a story 
and seeing so many public companies get PPP money and reading so many small people don't get PPP money. And don't let our eyes glaze over. These were major, major mistakes made by the administration and bankers. And we can't let them get away with yeah. it. It's just not right. Interesting. Uh, Hassett, Hassett did say a few moments ago on Squawk that, that there were issues uh, without debate. Guys, we'll get a break. Uh, on the other side, we'll get to all kinds of news. There's Adidas, Apple uh, story in the journal regarding iPhone production, obviously news on Regeneron and Gilead and more. So don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back. One of the big uh, stories of the morning is in the journal regarding Apple. They are reporting that the company is pushing back production of their flagship iPhone uh, by about a month and then slashing the number of 2020 phones, Jim, that it plans to make between July and December by as much as 20 percent, a combination of demand and supply factors at work, they say. Well, look, I think this is very good, actually, for Apple to get all the bad news out. I think there's a perception that when they do report then what will happen is, is that they'll guide down. They can guide down because of this. I, I, I actually like it when you soften the battlefield, so to speak. Uh, and, and I don't think that I think you should own Apple, not sell it. But I think there'll be people who will be cute and say, you know what, I'm going to buy this thing after it goes down. And they're forgetting that it's got the best balance sheet in the country. And they're forgetting that it's got a good dividend. And what's been moving stocks are balance sheets and dividends. So uh, I understand exactly why someone would not like Apple, particularly with this news. But when they, go, when they go on and they say it, you'll say, oh, yeah, I read that in the journal. Maybe this is a buy. So uh, I, I, no company is immune when you cut numbers. But I do think that Apple's in better shape than others. Jim, when they miss the, um, I mean, do they miss the cycle? Does it get made up? In other words, people who defer buying an iPhone, either because it's not available when they thought it would be or because they don't have enough money to buy one, do they come back? Uh, yes. Is that demand conserved for a later date? I think it comes back because in this country, they've got, uh, we had Verizon on last week. They, they haven't been able to offer much, but when yeah. Verizon very much wants 5G. They'll have it. Uh, China's got a lot of 5G. Remember, China's back. Uh, You can believe China's back uh, from satellite projections or not. But I I, look, I think Apple's is coming in cold. But the fact is, is that remember, they they didn't know where the bottom was last time. And analysts are going to say, you know what? They said they didn't know where the bottom was. Well, they were right. But we've got 5G coming up. So uh, I agree with Katie Uberty. Inconsequential quarter. Uh, and Apple is a country to itself. It's got uh, what we want to see. We want to see a company that doesn't have to refinance its debt. And we want to see a company that can boost its dividend. And so, therefore, I, I, I don't want to own Apple going into the quarter. But I, I do think that Apple coming out of the quarter is going to be a company that has really set the table for 2021. 20, uh, and a lot more companies are doing that well ahead of when they normally do. I mean, typically, you don't set 2021 until July. But everyone's pulling it forward because of how uh, crazy uh, and and nutty the uh, structure of the economy is right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, to David's point, Jim, and you mentioned analysts, 
I think Goldman, Goldman went to sell or went, recently went to sell on what they called the, potentially one of the most unpredictable and interesting quarters in Apple's history and on concerns about resulting weak ASPs. And we could talk about that with Apple. We could talk about it with Tesla or a bunch of other premium products. How much will people be willing to pay when household budgets are under strain? Well, look, the, there is, the volumes are normalizing, but there is a ton of dry powder out there. And what do you do with the uh, 7.3 trillion <laughs> dry powder? Well, if you're an anal- if you're a mutual fund and you get money in, then the easiest way to do it is to say, I'm going to wait for Alphabet and, and, and I'm going to wait for Apple to, to disappoint. And then I'm going to go in because when COVID is, a, the, we have a vaccine, these are going to be the ones I want to own. So there's a lot of optimism in a, uh, after this quarter for places like Alphabet and, and uh, Apple because the analysts have been negative going in. If the analysts were positive going in, then I think it would be a very different setup and you'd see the stocks go down. I come back to IBM where people are very negative going in and the stock is climbing. So I think what you have to do is look at how negative the analysts are, then look at the balance sheet. If they can raise the dividend or they have a good dividend and the analysts aren't that crazy about it, then wow, look out. That stock could fly. And and that's what I think this week offers. Uh, This week offers exceptional Um, volumes uh, and exceptional values. You know, both. Jim, Jim, China is, of course, important to Apple, as we all know. It's important, increasingly important to the likes of Tesla as well. Um, The level of acrimony between our country and China is going to far exceed, it would seem, anything that took place during those two years of the so-called trade war. Uh, You've heard it from some of our political leaders. It's going to continue. There's got to be a risk there, one would think, uh, in terms of changing supply chains, in terms of rising antipathy in the U.S., the way, of course, the virus has been framed as having originated, rightly so, from China, but almost being used as a weapon against us economically. Um, Isn't that a risk factor? I, I think it is. But we saw some good numbers when they first started opening that's what Katie Uber was saying in China. You know, look, I, I think that there, the antipathy is unbelievable. I mean, it's it's a cold war. Uh, it really is. I mean, Joe Tsai, uh, God bless him. He was willing to help everybody here. Uh, owner of the Brooklyn Nets, a, a, a kind of a really just a good deed doer. But there's not a lot of good deed doers when it comes to the two countries, because I think that um, I don't think it helps your career in the party if you're helping the United States. Yeah, and Gottlieb's op-ed in the journal today about how we're basically, we better prepare uh, for a vaccine production on our own because there's no guarantee uh, other countries are going to be as neighborly when one comes along. Yeah, that was uh, We'll something. take another short break. Uh, get Kramer's Mad Dash in a moment. Don't go away. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. The UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. 
At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Time for a mad dash. Jim, I was just told you want to talk Hertz, which is kind of surprising to me, given it's a little over a $3 stock, $3.71. What's going on? Well, uh, Barclays this morning uh, downgrades it to underweight. Now, I point this out because um, how could you have waited so long to do that? But they're talking about it could be facing a cash call of a billion dollars. Trading level on bonds implies high degree of risk and that they've uh, hired restructuring people. Now, what's really interesting here, David, is once again, who is essential? Is Hertz essential? Should it be supported by the government? What it looks like right now is no. And that Hertz offers uh, a, a something that I guess anybody can do. And, and I am mystified again. I think the mercurial and arbitrary way that some companies are treated as essential and others not should be noted when it comes to Hertz. Because as we know, uh, if you can make this industry less competitive by, by making a Hertz, uh, Hertz uh, hobbled, our prices are all going to go up. Uh, this is not cruise lines. This is something that's integral to the way that business is done in this country. Hertz, Avis, we, they compete. And it looks like that might be, that is going to come to a conclusion. So I just say we have to watch this and make sure we understand that some industries are the government is accepted to be wiped out. We just have to figure out which yeah. ones. I don't um, know no, which ones. No, it's a good point. Listen, they've given us we, no guidelines. Hertz, of course. Hertz's uh, largest shareholder is Carl Icahn. The company was having a difficult enough time, as we know, given the, li- the rise of Uber and Lyft in terms of what that impact was having on its business. As well, keep in mind, a lot of its debt is backed up by the cars themselves. It's and those making prices it are going down, to David. sort of That's to a structure uh, a restructuring for the company, Jim. And so it's worth keeping an eye on Hertz, of course. Uh, because it is fighting for its life yes. uh, at this point, it would seem. All right, we got a lot more squawk in the street coming right back, including an opening bell six minutes from now. Stay with us. Welcome back, Jim. Uh, to, to our viewers, Jim, I wanted to point out with you uh, this news on Regeneron and Kevzara uh, with some disappointing results and some clinical studies. On the flip side, you got headlines out of Japan where Abe is saying it could soon be possible to approve. Uh, remdesivir. How do we uh, how do we process all the bio news <laughs> today? I think remdesivir is going to turn out to be something that could help 50 to 60 percent of the people. And I keep thinking that people that if this were cancer, everyone would be thrilled with those numbers. But because it's covid, we all keep expecting, well, well don't we just give someone an intravenous and they're fine? Uh, and by the way, the one that I think is this Fuji film is doing the best as a pill for uh, what in these tests. It's funny, the Regeneron news that was exciting was that they have a lung cancer drug that apparently where they stopped the test and may be superior to Keytruda of Merck, which reports this week. So, I mean, everything's all over the place, but I do want to just try to let, I really want to lower expectations. In these hospitals, they're thrilled with something that goes 50 to 60% because they've lost so many people. So I think we have to be a little more like that New York Times article today where there was a young per, a young lawyer who got sick and then he ended up uh, surviving. But in the piece, we don't know why he did. And it did say that he was at one point taking remdesivir, but they didn't know whether he was part of the control group. Until this article, we didn't think that remdesivir was against a control group. So the lack of information about what goes on is just frightening. 
I mean, I was watching on Saturday Night Live. I got to learn a lot more about how things are going. (laughs) Are you are are you um, watching with bated breath the results of these early remdesivir results? I was waiting for NIH double blind. I I was because I think it's been really good at Mass Gen and was really good at University of Chicago. But I think really good means that the dosing was correct and the day that you started was correct. And we've had so many people who've been told, hey, listen, you know, come back when you feel worse. And what happens is their oxygen level goes down so badly they come back and they die uh, because they're not modern. They're not using a pulse oximeter, which, by the way, you can't get. There's no pulse oximeters available. I tried to get one on Amazon. They told me to come back in a month and a half. Well, terrific. You know, it's it's not your temperature. It's your pulse oximeter that matters. Yep, yep. Uh, It's it's respiratory, it's cardiac, pulmonary, all the whole bit. Uh, There's the opening bell. Tommy Gannon, NYSC Facilities Assistant Supervisor, ringing the NYSC bell at the NASDAQ. It is a shot of the tower in Times Square. Jim, maybe the most encouraging news uh, is out of New York over the weekend. Um, Lowest number of deaths in a month. Phased reopening could begin on the 15th. Testing accelerating in this country, Jim. We're now aiming for 300K a day, and that would be uh, 3X in about a week. Antibodies. Uh, Your doctor's going to have an antibody test in the next 10 days. It would be terrific to know whether you had it. Now, immediately the people, the bears come out and say, remember, if you had it, you can get it again. I know that's true. But wouldn't you love to know that you had it already? And those will be at the vanguard of who can open things. So the news is not all bad. It's just the news is mixed. And I, everyone just presumes in New York and New Jersey the worst because we've seen the worst. And I think by this point, we all have friends who've gotten very sick. We've all had friends who've been in the hospital. We've all had friends who've died. And that is not the experience around the rest of the country. So I do feel that uh, people are saying, you know, New York's too sensitive. But they wouldn't be. I think they'd be in our shoes if they lived here, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think that the market's reacting to the opening, though. And I think the opening is the chance to go do something with your 1200 bucks uh, or with your unemployment. Sure, you really didn't have anything to do. Uh, and the road's still empty. But I, I would great to be able to see something open. If people were wearing masks and they do physical yeah. distance. But I, you know, I had a column say, wear your mask this weekend. I'm not going to beat the drum on that again because that's not my job. But I, I'd say I got 50-50. 50 50 percent of the people told me that I, that I was not brave. I, I really have never thought of brave versus mask. I mean, I put my mask on. Am I, am I you know, a sissy? Does this make me less of a person? Am I really less gutsy as a 65-year-old trying not to give it to you, trying not to get it from you? Is it perfect? No. Was hand-washing perfect? I mean, nothing's perfect. That's the point of this. Nothing's yeah. perfect. Until no, no. you have a vaccine, nothing's perfect. Right. Well, it definitely the mask is an effort, Jim, as you know, to make sure you don't one day end up on a ventilator, uh, which was the topic of a 60 minutes piece last night uh, about GM and Ford and Mary Barr with some pretty eye opening remarks about how they came to alter their production process to pivot toward ventilators so rapidly. Take a listen. Between the strength of our balance sheet with the steps we've taken in the past, we will get through this and we will learn a lot of lessons that will apply. I mean, what's the long-term prognosis for for General Motors if you're not making cars? No one knows uh, when things are going to get back to what I refer to as a new normal. I've heard others refer to it as a new abnormal. 
So today, Jim, uh, suspending the dividend buybacks, uh, extending credit facilities, significant austerity measures to preserve cash. Right. I mean, this is another one like Ford where uh, it's a part of the market that used to be very big that you can't own. Uh, They are beating, uh, what, cars into plowshares? I I just find that when they suspend the dividend, uh, that's one thing. It crushed the the banks when they did that. Um, If you suspend the buyback, then... People just shoot against it. I don't know. I'm looking for the investment case GM, and I, I haven't found it. Uh, versus, say, Baxter, uh, versus uh, uh, Thermo Fisher. I mean, companies that are involved in the process of trying to uh, make make it so our lives are new normal, abnormal, whatever. Uh, it, there were a couple of upgrades today of of car part manufacturers, and I struggle to see the demand. I don't see a lot of people going to buy a new car. Hence, I mentioned that Hertz, the used car price is down 12% in the last month. That's a tremendous decline. We're seeing things we haven't seen before, but the car market is uniquely bad. And I think that we have to call that out because it's not like as soon as things open, people are going to go buy a lot of cars unless they fear public transit and think that that was the place where they got sick. Right. Although it's very hard to imagine a a flurry of car purchases in urban areas, given the problems that that brings up as well in terms of parking and everything else, typically. But when it comes to GM, it goes back to the point I made earlier, guys, which is if you are a company that sells things to a consumer that's not off the supermarket shelf, you are still going to be solely focused on shoring up your balance sheet. So not a surprise that GM would do those things. In fact, I was somewhat surprised they hadn't already done it in terms of the dividend. Uh, you know, you, I missed it in all the different announcements that have taken place. I'd assume they already had, but of Ford, course they have now. Had. Is Ford essential? Right. Is it an essential company? Uh, it, it would seem to me to be an essential company, yeah. Well, are they friends with the administration? Are you implying um, that they're I'm friends with the administration? No, I'm not familiar with the nature of the relationship between that management team right, and the administration, well, Jim. I know. Are you are you saying that those that are are being are being treated better than those that are not? I hope so. That's, isn't that why you elected him? Wasn't that the nature of it? I mean, let's be. I, look, I'm not lamestream. I'm not mainstream. I'm puzzled by who got the aid. Carnival was extraordinary to me. That was an extraordinary story. An eye-opening story that made me feel health. I just felt so foolish. I felt that it was one of those things where the wherever the chips fall. And now I don't think that at all. And I think that I'm still trying to figure out who were the bankers that gave Ruth Chris. Who did that? Who gave it to Fiesta? Can I have names? I'd like to know so that if they do go to the supermarket, and I'm sure they have people go for them, I'd love to know who they are. Because they're shameful people. They knew what that program was about. They are shameful. And I would love to know their names. And I bet you there are people at those banks that would love to give them to us. And you know what? I'm available at Jim Cramer on Twitter. This weekend was really amazing. We saw these programs for what they really were. And thank heavens the Times has a great reporter in the journal, too. Yeah, we, we know which bank gave the most to public companies uh, uh, via PPP. That's not a secret. Uh, the, the J.P. Morgan relationship is powerful. Uh, Thirteen public companies, by the way, all returning, including Podbelly and Shaq and Ruth's Chris and AutoNation on Friday, of course, was the big story. Well, that's good. I, I, I had my six people at Bar San Miguel. We didn't get it. Hey, I, I'm thrilled. I'm thr- you know why I'm thrilled? Because I don't want to take the bailout money at this point. I mean, that's how crazy this is. Now, of course, I won't get it. I don't give a damn. 
I mean, when I read that these restaurants got it and my six people, I got it. I'm not laying them off because I have because I have I have shame. But I, I just don't understand. I mean, how did how did Potbelly get it and Bar San Miguel not? I don't know. I had luck of the draw. Did they roll the dice? Does anyone think they rolled the dice? Does anyone think it was a lottery? Thank you, Mark Cuban, who suggests that. Now, look, if I get it, immediately someone's going to say, oh, well, he squawked on it and he got it. Well, fine. I don't give a damn. I just thought that this thing was such an outrage. It was incredible. Um, and we really. Well, we, I are mean, now are, in, we are we, now in. It was shameful, David. Um, it could have been uh, accomplished, in it, and many would say. And it's easy to, to say that, of course, given the rush that we had to try to get money out as quickly as possible. But it certainly could have been accomplished better in terms of getting the money into the hands of those companies, the small businesses that really needed it. I don't know what the percentages are going to look like at the end of it. Thankfully, we do have the second installment that is right. going to begin, what, today? Uh, and, and that's very important. And it would seem that there are certain parameters around the program now that perhaps did not apply previously that are going to be more beneficial to making sure the money does get to those small businesses, Jim. But wasn't that But the point? it's not as though they're sitting there paying their rent. They're not. Uh, you know, you still no. have to wonder in terms of the entire chain here and all the different parties that are that are impacted as a result of the cessation of business. But why did Shake Check give the money back? Why did they? Yeah, we had Randy Garuti on because they had, had access. Randy yeah, on. they had access to the capital markets. But you bet anyone who had access to the capital markets shouldn't have been allowed. That should have been a key criteria. Yes, they rushed it. Okay, but you know what? That doesn't mean they should botch it. Am I being too critical? Am I like? Did anyone? You know, you read those articles like, well, okay, well, you know, they botched it. They gave it to Potbelly. It's like, no. I mean, I'm in the restaurant business. Like, are you kidding me? You gave it to the publicly traded companies. They can get credit. They don't need the government to get credit. But, you know, you criticize. It means you don't have any access. Your access is cut off. You're not going to get the call. The other. And the fact is, the the Fed's Main Street lending program was then designed and changed to a certain extent to help some of those businesses that have a lot of employees, but sort of fit into that key area and are not investment grade. So that was. That was an important moment as well. Now, that did took place after PPP right. was already announced and sort of put in place. So some of these companies, Jim, thought they would not have access to that. They were looking for an opportunity to keep their people employed. You know, if you're Ruth Chris, you're just trying to do deliveries and keep people employed. You have a $250 million market value. It's not exactly as though you're thriving. Um, completely understand wh- where your criticism is coming from. And after all this time, it's interesting to hear it as well. So uh, certainly take it for what it is. Well, because I thought it, it was there, the there community was... banks. Remember the community banks are doing the best yep. job. And yep. look, I want all the, I want every, you know, Ruth, Chris, they have a lot of employees. But I, I and I, I would have thought that, you know what, immediately they should have somebody who's for them. I don't want them to go under. They employ a huge number of people. It's just that that wasn't the essence of the program. So, I mean, maybe the, the screw up was why not have the essence of a program and why not have another program for employees, companies that have big employees. But this was meant for like the 10 million small businesses and all the money, the big chunks didn't go there. And so, therefore, I've, I feel like I've every right to say this because it, it just seemed like it, it wasn't for the program. I like the idea that, that these other guys can get money. That was absolutely right. It just wasn't this program. I mean, this is like, I, I like it if the people work for GM get the money, but it shouldn't be from the agricultural program. Right. 
Right. Uh, Jim, before we get to Bob and the broader market, uh, um, you you know, NVIDIA completed the Mellanox deal. I wanted to mention that because you and I spoke about it so often. It did take a long time. The Chinese, obviously, SAMR, the antitrust authorities there did give the go ahead uh, recently and they did close that deal. NVIDIA, of course, one of the great performers at one hundred and eighty one plus billion dollar market value at this point. Well, this was big because this gives them the uh, uh, the edge computing. Now, they you know, they are in a box with Mellanox, there's a Mellanox piece and there's an NVIDIA piece, NVIDIA chip. And now they're going to be combined. It's going to really save NVIDIA a lot of money. It's terrific. Jensen Wong on tonight to talk about this is something he said over and over again. It would happen. But people who know the credibility this man has, knew it was only a matter of time. The numbers are now too low. They all have to be raised. And I think that stock can blow through 300. Jim, we'll watch that for oh. sure tonight on MAD. In the meantime, uh, let's get to Bob Asani and get a market check on this Monday. Morning, Bob. Good morning, Carl. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, let's call it uh, the, uh, the hope for the lockdown easing rally, because that's what this is, whether you're talking about the NBA, maybe, maybe reopening practice facilities, maybe Tesla recalling some people to its California facility. A lot of hope out there that things are going to start unlocking at this point. You see that in the sectors that are moving here. Semiconductors up today and all the stuff that normally would move here. Banks, consumer discretionary, healthcare outperforming. There's your underperformer energy. And there's a there's a couple of very good reasons why energy is notably underperforming. The front month June and July contracts are notably weak right now. If you take a look at some of the big energy names here, Diamond Offshore, that uh, bankruptcy filing here, uh, Hess and Occidental, their two biggest customers, they're probably 50% of the revenues for Diamond Offshore. So that's a company in trouble here. Noble, uh, Rig, uh, some of these other uh, offshore drillers are essentially penny stocks at this point. They're down as well. Another issue, of course, is USO out there. That's the, uh, the, the oil ETF, which has, again, changed the contracts that it's owned, uh, it now owns six front month contracts, not the June, but July and forward all the way into 2021. They now own a 2021 contract. They're going to be buying those over the next few days. So there's obviously some selling pressure on the front month contract. This has changed almost on a daily basis, the USO, the components of what they actually own. Uh, in terms of where we are right now, I said last week that we had sold out a little bit. Maybe more realistically, it's better to call it a bit of a consolidation uh, right now uh, rather than a retest. It's certainly not a retest. That's for darn sure. The S&P 500 going into the open was only 1% off its highs in April. Global stocks, a little less than 2% off of their highs. And we're closing that gap with today's open pretty quickly. I think the key this week uh, is earnings. We've already got 25% of the companies that have reported. There's been a stunningly wide dispersions in the estimates just all over the place. And for the first time in 20 years, I don't put much stock in store in, t- in first half earnings estimates at all because the visibility is just so poor. Uh, JP Morgan noted this morning that uh, in their estimate, 90% almost of those reporting have withdrawn full-year guidance. A few are providing second-quarter guidance. But when you can't figure out what's going to happen more than a month or two away, uh, you've got a lot of problems there. And I think the markets are reflecting some of that uncertainty. In terms of the dispersion of the earnings right now, uh, the estimates right now for the quarters, uh, 15% for the first quarter. And the, the bottom, the market believes now, is, is the second quarter. Whether that actually happens or not is not clear. We've got 18% decline for the full year. Most these are bottoms up estimates. Most of the top down analysts are much worse than this. They're they're 20 to 33 percent. I think Goldman has 33 percent decline for full year estimates. So uh, these 
estimates are constantly revised almost on a daily basis, and they've just been coming down very, very rapidly. The risk, the two big risks are very obvious uh, right now. It's a secondary wave of infections once uh, this is lifted uh, on a phased uh, basis. Uh, and growth essentially restarts at a much slower pace because the social distancing requirement still, uh, still constrains uh, any kind of activity uh, that's out there. So there's your two main risks. But as for today, the market's still believing the reopening story trumps the retest risk. Guys, back to you. All right, uh, Bob, thank you very much. Uh, Jim, you know, Bob mentions the reopening, and we talk about it in the context of Georgia and now Colorado and uh, some other states. But Germany's the other uh, big wow. experiment uh, at VW. 8,000 workers are going back today uh, to begin making uh, VW golfs. I thought that was terrific. I want to see if the 50,000 workers in Puebla, in Mexico, go back to work for, for Volkswagen. That would be something. That's a gigantic plant. But, you know, Germany did a lot of things right. I think a lot of places in our country did right. It just it's 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 place to place. Look, I was very in favor of the Georgia, of the Georgia governor doing what he's doing. I did not favor certain industries where you can't be safe no matter what. But the idea that if you wear a mask and you practice some physical distancing, I think it's great that you're open. There's been so much need and so much pent up demand for things. Uh, I do believe that the, you, all you have to do is have some common sense. Can you put a mask on and uh, will someone be touching you? Uh, can you put a mask on and will the machines be clean in a gym? It, don't don't stress it. But open it because we need America to go back to work. But we need masks. We want to be able to go to a store, the person behind oceans and say they have a mask, you have a mask. It's not too much to ask. It, it cuts down. It's not perfect, just like remdesivir. Nothing is perfect till we get a vaccine. But America needs to be open and it needs to be open quickly. Uh, and I'm not against these guys who want to open it. I am against people who do foolish things. But uh, I can't, how can you stop people from uh, doing foolish things? It, it, we're not in Spain where my daughter is immediately faced by a policeman in Madrid when she tries to go to the supermarket. That, that doesn't happen here. But I do want uh, I, I think I want America open. And I, I salute the Georgia governor. I just wish he hadn't been so aggressive and pick pick trades right. that we all know you can't be safe at. Right. Well, some businesses, even with the looser restrictions, are, are sitting it out in the early going, like Macy's and Gap and Equinox. By the way, FDA is on the tape now saying that 1,500 manufacturers have registered to make hand sanitizer, Jim, although they point out that it's not meant for ingestion, inhalation, or intravenous use. That's on Reuters right now. Yeah. I want to get to Rick Santelli this morning, take a look at the bond market and a Fed meeting later this week. Rick? Yes, lots of uh, central banks meeting this week, Carl. Bank of Japan, ECB, our Fed. And, of course, it doesn't end there. Auctions. We have two auctions today, two-year and five-year, 1130 and 1 o'clock. So let's look at those maturities. Let's look at a two-year note. Let's look at two weeks of a two-year note. And the reason I picked two weeks, on the 15th of April, we had our low-yield close for this cycle, at least, and that goes back uh, seven years, and that was 18 basis points intraday low, but 19 basis points was the low close. And if you look at a five-year over a one-week period, you'll see that the intraday low is 30 basis points, and the all-time low-yield close is 33 basis points. And finally, if we look at a month-to-date of 10s, uh, what really should jump out at you on this chart is the fact that 77.57, those are 
our highs and low on a closing basis. And 57, well, we're not that far away from it. And 54 basis points, of course, from the previous month was the all-time low yield close. Finally, let's look at the dollar index because as we speak, it's losing that 100 level. We've lost it a couple times. Look at a two-day chart. So we went from just shy of uh, 100 and a half, uh, 143 I think was the exact high, uh, down to below 100. Still very powerful. If you were to look at a 20-year chart, you'd notice that we don't spend that much time above 100, which does give us a glimpse of the notion that there's a lot of things going on, that maybe not so much the downside of a strong dollar, which was how painful it was to certain uh, parts of the globe like emerging markets, but all things considered, uh, our central bank is doing the most heavy lifting, and it should not be surprising that one of the channels of dollar strength is actually a good thing as global investors aim for the U.S. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. Okay, Rick, thank you. I will take it. Rick Santelli with the Bond Report. Uh, Don't miss, by the way, we're going to have, well, actually, he's now the executive chairman of Medtronic. Omar Ishraq will be joining us uh, to talk all about that company, of course, uh, its key uh, part in, in terms of ventilators and what its overall business is looking like right now. That'll be in uh, the next hour on Squawk in the Street. Stay with us. S&P 2858, a lot of unanswered questions this week. How will earnings come in on this busiest week of earnings? What does the Fed statement say on Wednesday? Does the CDC loosen their guidelines when the current ones expire on Friday? We're going to get answers to all those things as we work our way through the week. We're back in a minute. Let's get stopped trading with Jim. One of the best performing stocks in the quarter has been Apache, APA. Uh, a lot of people focus on Occidental being the one to watch. No, I don't want to watch that one. If Apache goes back down, then when you see that front month going down in oil, uh, which it is again, and that's because the USO, that ETF, is frantically apparently dropping that front, uh, that front future, that would be the sign that this really does have impact on the oils. Remember, the oils went up the whole time that, that the shenanigans down to $37 a barrel. Let's find out if it's for real or not. Watch Apache. That's your, that's your gauge. Yeah, Jim, we never even got to Diamond Offshore and the impact on, uh, on Lowe's this yeah, week. They had that not modern fleet, and that was a jack-up shallow, and that's not been where people have been looking for oil. Uh, the, look, the, bi- the big uh, oil service companies are all really hurting. Halliburton's gone up very big since the quarter's reported. But again, that, those stocks were all due. They were coiled springs. Let's see what happens. All right, Jim, so NVIDIA tonight. Yeah, NVIDIA is just such a great company. I really want people to understand is it's gaming, but it's also uh, wide area computing. It, it is the data center computer. Jensen Wong's our, our greatest business person. Uh, it, he's also a true engineer. Uh, his building was designed by him. Uh, he's a delight, and he's so smart and so honest. It's just the opposite of, of a lot of the business that we talked about today, frankly. I feel the very one sad thing about I wanted that. to squeeze in this hour uh, uh, was food supply. Uh, Tyson, with this full-page ad in the New York Times, saying millions of pounds of meat will disappear from the plus, from the supply chain. There's Beyond Meat, which had an amazing week last week. Today gets downgraded over at UBS uh, with a sell uh, to target. Yeah, fifty-one percent of those goes. But how much are you surface. thinking about? Impossible, which is private 
uh, has a much lower food service business. I wish Impossible to come public. We would be buying the heck out of it. Their business is extraordinary. I don't want to sell Beyond Meat just because I think it's got the zeitgeist. It's got that Robin Hood zeitgeist. It's the thing that they want. And uh, the people, the younger generation is not as cynical as the older, and they want to buy things that are ecosystems. And Ethan Brown has told you, listen, it's not a question of the quarter. It's the question of the decade. And by the way, if, if meat goes up versus plant, versus plant, plant's going to be bought. Uh, they've always been waiting. They can bring down the price of plant. Price of actual meat goes up, and it's great for Beyond Meat. The analysts are short-sighted. Yeah, uh, the average Beyond Meat patties double the price of a regular uh, patty. And obviously, if the spread comes in, Jim, uh, the, comp- the competitive pressure gets lessened. You bet. And that Impossible Burger, I know it's got GMO, but wow, it's tasty. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.